Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 91, Cord Prolapse. Why have I decided to talk about cord prolapse today? Well, maybe you've seen on social media or on iPlayer the current trailers for the adaptation of Adam Kay's book, This Is Going to Hurt. The trailer, which is roughly 90 seconds long, depicts an emergency situation, a cord prolapse. I must admit, I have not read the book, This Is Going to Hurt. When it was published, it seemed, firstly, too close to home, too close to my job for me to want to read it. And having seen very disparate views on social media about it, including many criticisms of its misogynistic and rather backwards view of maternity care, I have flicked through it in a bookshop, but I steadfastly refuse to read it. Therefore, although I love the actor Ben Whishaw, I had already made up my mind not to watch This Is Going To Hurt. But when the trailer was released this week... I started to see on my Twitter feed a rather Marmite-like response to the depiction in the trailer. Some people, it's true, loved it, thought it was hilarious, said they absolutely couldn't wait for the release, which is happening on the 8th of February. Others, many of whom work in maternity services, said they were appalled not only by the treatment of the woman depicted, but also by the treatment of the fellow junior doctor. I am not going to profess an opinion on the book or on the television series as a whole. I do not plan to watch it just as I did not read the book. But I thought I should at least set the record straight about cord prolapse because there may be some women who are currently pregnant who feel frightened by the trailer and what they've seen it depicts. What is cord prolapse? A cord prolapse is when the umbilical cord is coming down the birth canal ahead of the baby's presenting part. And I say presenting part advisedly So it could be the baby's head, 
but it could be the baby's bottom or it could be a limb, an arm or a leg. This could be as little as when a midwife is performing an examination, finding that there's a cord hanging through the neck of the womb into the vagina. Or it could be as extreme as a woman finding the umbilical cord between her legs. Cord prolapse is indeed an emergency as it is depicted in the television trailer. However, the reason I've chosen to talk about it is it's an emergency that we can readily treat and deal with and also sometimes predict might happen and therefore put in place things to make it less likely and therefore safer. Why does it matter? If the umbilical cord comes down, two things may happen. The first thing is that as the woman has contractions, the umbilical cord can get compressed. The blood supply to the baby can be temporarily restricted by this as whatever part of the baby is following the cord presses on the umbilical cord. So this can cause stress for the baby. The second thing is that if the umbilical cord is outside the vagina, so outside the woman's body and therefore the warmth of her body, the umbilical cord blood vessels can spasm. This also can restrict blood flow to the baby. Fortunately for us, a true cord prolapse is relatively rare, happening between 0.1 and 0.6% of all births. And there are certain situations which make it more likely. The reasons that make it more likely, broadly speaking, divide into two issues. The first issue is something that's happened that we can't control. For example, it might be that the baby is what we call transverse, that's lying horizontally across the womb. That means that when the waters break, and cord prolapse can only happen when the waters have broken, rather than a nice head or bottom coming down to effectively plug the gap, a bit like a bath plug going into the plug hole, there's nothing there. So a loop of umbilical cord can come down in its place. This could also be the situation if a baby is very mobile. Maybe it's what we call an unstable lie where the baby is turning almost hour by hour to different positions. And this situation is more common if there's extra fluid, so-called polyhydramnius, extra water around the baby, because this will enable the baby to move into far more positions. Since the chance of the baby not being in a nice head-down position is higher earlier on in pregnancy, 
It's also a bit more common in preterm labour and birth. And it's also more common if you have a footling breech. So that is where the baby's legs are coming down towards the neck of the womb rather than a nice round bottom shape. So that's one set of reasons. The other broad category of reasons is due to our interference. Shockingly, cord prolapse in 50% of the time is due to our intervention. And when I say our, that's maternity staff, that's obstetricians and midwives. It might be that we've taken a decision that induction of labour is necessary but the head of the baby isn't nicely in the pelvis. We started something off and it wasn't effective at bringing the head down into the pelvis. Then we maybe broke the waters and the cord came down instead. So it's something that we have to be very mindful about if we are going to artificially rupture the membranes, that is, break the waters in a woman who has extra fluid or a baby in a slightly unstable position. Sometimes we will call this a stabilising ARM. That means we have someone pressing on the top of the womb, trying to give us what we call fundal pressure to help bring the baby's head down, to try and bring the baby's head into the pelvis so that it becomes fixed there once the waters have broken. So we'll do this in a controlled way, perhaps with a theatre ready for caesarean should it need be, and with the woman being aware that there is that chance of a cord prolapse and what we might do about it if it should happen. Sometimes, rather than just breaking the waters if the baby's head is a bit higher, we can give hormonal medication, either a prostaglandin pessary or even start a syntocinone hormone drip just for a couple of hours to get some contractions going to try and bring that head down and stabilise that baby and make breaking the waters safer. Certainly there's evidence that induction with prostaglandins can make cord prolapse less likely. The other thing that we may do is if your baby's in an awkward position, either it's transverse or it's unstable, we may suggest that you need to come into hospital from about 38 weeks. This can seem very over the top particularly if you may go to 41 weeks of pregnancy or beyond even. But what we're worried about is the waters breaking at home and the umbilical cord coming down. In the situation where your baby is unstable or transverse, most babies, given time, will settle themselves down. One has to be extremely patient to spend several weeks in hospital waiting for that to happen. And there is the temptation 
to say, well, I'll just have a caesarean instead. Get it done with. Have the certainty and not have any risk whatsoever. It used to be quite common practice to have women sitting on our antenatal ward for several weeks, waiting for the baby to sort itself out. And once the baby was head down for a couple of days in a row, then we might induce the labour and the woman would have a vaginal birth. These days I see more commonly women getting frustrated and doctors perhaps being reluctant to be patient and therefore increasing numbers of women having a caesarean at maybe 39 weeks, whereas if they perhaps waited a little bit longer, the situation might have been avoided. I can appreciate though, it's hard to sit on the ward knowing that at any moment your waters might break and this scary emergency situation might occur. So now let's have a little think about what would happen if there was a cord prolapse. In the trailer for This Is Going To Hurt, it's very dramatic. The woman is pushed onto a bed, she's clearly in pain contracting, and the doctor jumps on the bed behind her. This is actually quite old-fashioned treatment of a cord prolapse. It is correct that if we examined and found a cord prolapse, we used to keep our hand in the vagina when we transferred the woman to theatre. This was because we were trying to keep the cord in the vagina and we were trying to lift the presenting part, so the bottom or the head of the baby, off the cord to prevent that cord compression. If we could do that successfully, we would stop the baby from becoming distressed. We would indeed get the woman in an all fours position, but usually with her head down and her bottom in the air, again, to try and use gravity to keep the baby off the umbilical cord. In the trailer, the doctor talks about caesarean birth. He also asks for anaesthetist, which he refers to as the doctor who makes you go sleep sleep. In truth, these days, it would be less common for us to be giving a general anaesthetic and actually putting a woman off to sleep. So what is the modern approach to cord prolapse? First thing is, identify it. We might find that we identify it because there's been a drop in the baby's heartbeat during labour or after the waters break. And our first thing to do would be to examine, do a vaginal examination to check is there a cord prolapse and diagnose it. If that is the case, then what we do next depends on how dilated the woman is. If this situation happens at fully dilated, then it may be eminently possible for us to help with an assisted vaginal birth and not need to do a caesarean at all. If we can quickly bring the baby's head past the umbilical cord, then all will be well. 
and the baby can swiftly be born vaginally. If, however, as is more common, the woman is not fully dilated, then it is true a caesarean is likely to be required. However, it does not need to happen in this dramatic, adrenaline-inducing fashion. We can do two things. The first thing we can do is put a catheter tube into the woman's bladder. We can then fill the woman's bladder with fluid. So rather than using the catheter tube to empty her bladder, which is what we do at all other times in labour, we can actually use a bag of fluid, maybe 500 millilitres or a litre, to fill the woman's bladder. This has the effect of lifting the baby's head off the umbilical cord because it lifts the baby out of the pelvis. It's a bit like filling up a balloon. So the first thing we will do is that. In addition to that, we can also give an injection called tabutalin. This acts on the muscles of the womb and stops the contractions. If the womb isn't contracting regularly, pushing the baby down onto the cord, again, this prevents cord compression. If we undertake both these measures, we can often very quickly see a change in the baby's heart rate so that the baby's heart rate is stabilised and the baby is no longer distressed. Whilst the woman may still need a caesarean birth if she remains not fully dilated, these two actions give us plenty of time to transfer to theatre in a calm, controlled fashion talk her through the pros and cons of caesarean birth and give time for our anaesthetic colleagues to give a spinal anaesthetic so that she can be awake and see her baby as soon as it's born. Yes, of course, we will have a paediatric doctor there to check on the well-being of the baby when it's born. And yes, there will be some instances in which these two things don't have the effect we require and we do have to do what's called a category one caesarean and consider a general anaesthetic if the baby is very distressed. But these instances are very rare. Cord prolapse is one of the emergencies we practice regularly. So it's one of the regular drills that I mentioned in my episode, Help. I guess it's hardly surprising that a television programme, a drama, a comedy, which wants to make hospital life exciting, dramatic and entertaining, wouldn't consider these measures for cord prolapse. But I want to reassure people that, as with many aspects of media coverage of birth, it is a certain slanted view. It isn't anywhere as near exciting television 
to have someone fill the bladder, be calm, have a spinal anaesthetic and have a baby. So for my zesty bit, I think what I'd like to say is not only with this is going to hurt, but with many portrayals of childbirth in the media, this is not how birth is. Maternity does not have to be this dramatic, scary, out-of-control situation. So if you enjoy watching hospital dramas or one born every minute, then do take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt and do try and balance it with good quality information from maternity staff looking after you and well-respected sources such as the RCOG patient information leaflet I'm attaching to this episode. And if you're a healthcare professional, be aware of what things are being portrayed on the media around us and be ready to answer questions on some of the things that are demonstrated that perhaps aren't really as they might appear and help be that calm, reassuring voice to families under our care when they see something that triggers fear at a time when they are vulnerable and need our support. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of The Obs Pod. Feel free to contact me on Twitter at FWMaternity or at The Obs Pod to ask me questions, give me topics for future episodes or let me know what you think. It's absolutely fantastic when you get in touch. I really enjoy reading your comments. As usual, I've tried to include in the programme notes some extra reading about this particular topic, both for professionals working in maternity care and for pregnant women using services. I'd like to reassure you that although I'm talking about my experiences working in maternity care, I take confidentiality very seriously and do not give any personal information about any of my patients. If you've enjoyed listening, I'd love you to recommend the OBSPOD to friends or colleagues and please do leave me a review on whichever podcast directory you find my episodes. Many thanks for listening.